0: Hello everyone. Welcome to another edition of Bannering the Blue Shirts. I'm Tommerch Jr., and as always, I'm joined by Mike Murphy. Mike, how are you doing today?
1: Doing good. I was watching a little bit of uh, women's college hockey. Frozen Four a good. Great game between UMD and Northeastern. And I think just like everyone else in the Rangers verse, uh, I'm still wondering if last night was a crazy fever dream. Um, it's hard to put words into what the, that game was, or Rangers and the Flyers game. If you're listening to this, you know what the outcome of that game was. But uh, it's crazy, Tom. It's It's been a crazy little bit of time here. It was a crazy... I was among the people who was like, you know, Quinn, uh, you know, Martin, Brown, like Oliver, none of them are available. Uh, why is this game not being suspended? And then, of course, last night happens. So it's been a kind of crazy 24 hours for the Rangers.
0: Yeah, it's been a crazy 24 hours for the Rangers, and uh, we didn't podcast last week. It's been, life has been crazy for Mike and I, so we apologize for that, but it's, uh, I would say that recently, it's just been very crazy hockey. Like our last show, we talked about, okay, Rangers uh, beat the Sabres, um, and then they have two great games against the Devils, and... They look lost versus Pittsburgh. Jekyll and Hyde affair uh, against the Boston Bruins. They get shut out for nothing. They come back, they win for nothing. And then, obviously, you know, the OT game against the Flyers. And then last night, and I think for me, it, it was crazy because I left work yesterday and I'm driving home and I you know, get off to my exit and I'm waiting at the light and I see my phone and I I look at the Rangers tweeted this thing out and I, I couldn't read it because it was like a statement that on a picture and, you know, the angle of it and light changes. So then I put on the radio and, you know, hear, you know, Michael K show talking about all this. And I'm like, wow, none of the coaching staff is available. Um, Chris Knobloch, uh, is the Hartford Wolfpack head coach is going to be the acting head coach. Gord Murphy, the associate coach in Hartford who was behind the bench for the Rangers during the bubble is going to coach. And Chris Drury behind a bench for the first time in, I was trying to think of this, like it would probably be since he last played for the Rangers, which if I remember correctly, Mike was the 11, 12 season. So, uh, decade for him i mean obviously you figure camps and um off seasons he's probably around the team so yeah it was very um it was very weird especially based on the fact that the previous game rangers without fox and bucinevich and everyone assumed the worst which is unfortunately a reality of um you know, in the time of COVID. Anytime someone's on the list, you just assume the worst because, like, as we saw, um, you know, Capocacco was on on the COVID protocol and he was sick and he came back. So when we saw Bucinevic and Fox coming back, it's like, great, but no coaching staff. Um, Yeah, it it, it was very much a fever dream. I think that is the best way to put it because (laughs) I'm even wondering, like, I I assume we will learn something at some point, maybe not particulars, but you figure that many people and especially people standing behind the bench, um, not always wearing their masks properly, but that's (laughs) neither here nor there, Um, whether that game should have been played last night. But as we know, it was. And um, I can't remember a game like that in recent memory, because, like, obviously you have exciting games. You have comeback games. I think of, and you probably think of, too, the, the comeback versus the um, Canadians in Montreal. I think of the comeback versus the Minnesota Wild when Chris Kreider was ejected for boarding um, and Anthony Duclair scores um, the game-winning goal. Um, but 9 nothing, seven goals in one game period um that is just something that i don't know when we will see that again and um you know i i thought about it um and it's like man how much does it suck that it was a limited capacity crowd for one. And as um, Ryan Mead pointed out, like, man, like how much did it suck that this couldn't have been an MSG game, you know, with Sam on the call. Cause I would imagine he would just flip out like on, on what that second period was.
1: Yeah. I, I imagine that Sam would have been giggling himself into oblivion uh, with that insane seven goal second period. Like there's so much craziness to break down here. Obviously it's against AV um, and Knobloch was fired by the Flyers uh, in 2019, in spring of 2019. And, you know, so you have that whole angle. And then, of course, you have, you know, these teams just played and the Flyers won an OT. And that was kind of a, a deflating loss um, in a lot of ways because the game before, uh, like you had mentioned, the Rangers had one of their best games of the season, beating Boston 4 to nothing, where it was just like, what, what is this? And, you know, that was without... Uh, you know, without the full complement of the team, I think. And then you watch this game, and it gets off to a strong start. And I remember something I was thinking about heading into this game. I was like, ah, man, I really wish Gauthier was still in the lineup because he had a gorgeous goal in the OT loss, but he also took, I think, three penalties in that game in that 5-4 to four OT loss against Philly. And I was like, this game shouldn't be played, and why is Gauthier not in the lineup? And... I really hope Georgie has an okay game, and then we get a two nothing start to the game, which is really good. And the entire broadcast on you know NBC Sports, all we're hearing about is ah, the Flyers with their goalie goaltending problems. But you know what? It's not just goaltending problems; it's defensive issues. And then Mika Zibanejad ties in an NHL record. <laughs> yes, a natural hat trick and three assists for a six point second period, which like no one in the league needed a bigger game than that. Like, I don't know, maybe, maybe Taylor Hall, but he's injured. So um, it is just unbelievable that the way that all happened, like Mika's goals, like his second goal was such a confident, dirty goal and watching him get it going and watching the reactions on the bench with like Booch and Kreider. And, you know, you could tell that was like, remember that, when Mika had the goal and uh, Booch did the lifting the monkey off his back, this was that times a million. This was getting, like, a gorilla off his back. It was just... It was like, oh, yeah, Mika's avengers back. And that's what we all just accept as fact now. Of course, you know, it's one game and all that, but for him to explode the way he did and for the offense to look the way it did... Tom, Libor Hayek had a primary assist in this game. <laughs> like, it was... Watching this game unfold, it was... Unbelievable. Uh, I think Libor had the primary assist on the seventh goal on uh on Hedl's goal. I mean the ninth goal rather. Um I think Laff had the secondary on that one too. Like it was just the game started with Lemieux scoring off of a gorgeous play by Adam Fox and you know, that was like alright, that was a great highlight real goal off an awesome play by Fox. So nice to see him back in the lineup, and then the second period happened. It was unbelievable
0: there's so much from that and like there there's a lot of things you can pull from it it i found it interesting um so what i think it was last friday um i did um podcast with um kelly hinks from from broad street um you know they do every so often like you know checking out the competition and the things that we touched upon for the rangers um we talked about um, Gorgiev and the goaltending situation, and how Keith Kincaid was getting a look because um, you know Igor's hurt and everything. Um, we talked about who uh, we th- who I thought would of people who have not yet scored a goal for the Rangers would get their first goal of the season against the Flyers. I picked Jacob Truba. I was correct in my analysis, and hey. then um, y- talking about a player who. Um, isn't getting, you know, the recognition or love they deserve. And, you know, lo and behold, uh, I picked Pavel Buchnevich, and Buchnevich proved me right on so many fronts, whether it was the Boston games and, and, uh, you know, against the Flyers. But what you said, I think it's so important, and we can get all excited about this, and obviously they're going to be playing back to back against the Capitals who are one of the better teams in the league and, and the division uh, specifically. But sometimes you just need that one moment. And it's yeah. that thought process of, okay, I'm really struggling with the, this circumstance or this thing, but I find a way to do it. And then it, it eliminates that, that doubt in your mind. And, um, I'm meant to go back, and I probably will do it after this podcast. Um, You know, we've done, you know, recording. Um, Gorgiev makes an amazing save. And to me...
1: Oh, yeah, that save. That skate save.
0: Yes, he's stretching across, and he just kicks out his leg. And to me, like, it reminded me so many times of... um, it was like a Mike Richter save where he'd be at the top of the crease and he's coming across and it's almost like he's throwing a whole side of his body at the puck. And I think in that moment, like if that puck goes in, it's like, okay, the Flyers get on the board and it's a momentum changer. And like we've seen with Gorgiev that sometimes it's that one goal against or one bad goal. Um, and... It just can uh, derail him.
1: Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned that one because we hear Steve Alaket talk all the time about how great the underlying numbers are, or really, the easy way to say is the analytics, the goaltending analytics are on Gorgiev's east to west movement across the crease, like his ability to make those cross saves on those cross ice passes. He's one of the best goalies in the league, and you know when Steve Alaket talks about that, you're like. Yeah, that's great, but he also did just get pulled from his most recent two games, and you know the the discourse heading into this game, you know, for for Rangers fans and especially on Rangers Twitter was like, "Oh man, the Rangers really fucked up by not trading Georgiev when they could have. They didn't sell high, and now Keith Kincaid is you know creating this goalie controversy for you know, uh, you know one B or the backup goaltender and. Lost in All This is a gem of a game from Georgiev, and that save you're mentioning, Tom, is such a big deal because I'm someone who I've, over the past couple of years, I've just gotten deeper and deeper into analytics. And as much as I love numbers and trying to understand hockey with numbers, hockey is chaos. It is a game where we try our very best to analyze things and predict things and get an understanding of why things happen. But momentum is a real thing in hockey. It's weird. I'm Just like everyone else, I roll my eyes. There's a great pace to this. Like, I get it. But when you think of a save like that, and how that could have changed the outlook of a game, and then the Rangers just explode offensively, it's crazy.
0: Yeah, and I think that there, there can be two things that are true at the same time. One, and I touched upon this a little bit on the story i wrote on ryan strom who i feel is having a really good season um but despite that it's still something very much the rangers should keep their ear to the ground on um you know ahead of the trade deadline but with Gorgiev, i think you can believe that the rangers missed an opportunity to sell high on him um because i think that the rangers had a, a sense of what Gorgiev could be what Gorgiev was Um, but I think always his role was going to be what it is that they like Igor. Igor is the guy long term and yes I understand in today's NHL you want to have two goalies so that you can shoulder the load. Um, Obviously injuries have been a thing this year but in normal circumstances like Vegas, Marc-Andre Fleury, Robin Lehner, the dallas stars ben bishop anton Kudobin. um there's a lot more examples that you can find around the league and san
1: jose sharks devin dubnik and martin jones eh, that one doesn't really work
0: but... <laughs> yeah exactly Does, <laughs> doesn't always work but there was logic a guy to... who
1: drafted carter hart in two of my fantasy hockey leagues this year i gotta tell you uh nothing. I just needed to mention that I'm depressed about Carter Hart. And uh it was fun watching him come away with from that game with like a seven seventy save percentage after he came in, in relief. But anyway.
0: That was rough for him. Like and, Carter Hart's would...
1: season has been unbelievable based on what it was projected to be. I think he has like an eight eighty save percentage this year, so Yeah.
0: That's happening. Yeah. It it is. And um to to bring it back to Zabanejad, because I think, um, you know, all the all the stats you want to look at, uh, the fact that you know six points, what it did to his, you know, season totals, um, the fact that he did Sweet it all within one me, period. Yeah. Um, and what stood out to me is, and I love obviously all of the post-game um, availabilities. Bucinovic has had this year is he talk? He's asked a question about. How about the game and have you ever been a part of something like this? Um, And he's talking about how he's in the, you know, in his career, like back in Russia, like, you know, he was a part of games where this was happening to his team, like giving up a lot of goals. And, he talks about he thinks the team played well and he's like I think Mika played well and he's like you know um even though like you guys you know always like assume that it's his fault he's pretty much you know taking a shot at people who were you know criticizing Zibanejad sticking up for him and this is not the first time we've seen something like this like Chris Kreider did the same exact thing um in a uh
1: really put his foot down with the media like uh the, the way he said is like I'm tired of the narrative uh, like you know I know you know he said I've seen it a lot from you guys meaning the beat writers and everything and he's like I'm tired of the narrative that that's what it is with you know Mika Zibanejad struggling and, you know one of those it's a leading question where you say you know with Mika struggling how good is it to, to get a goal like this or something like that and cried answered the question then he says yeah but I just to say like I'm tired of that narrative so having Booch have a similar interaction where he's just like yeah He's doing all the right things. But, like, looking at... Like, you had a great, you know... I know you had a great tweet about Mika kind of... And Shayna did, too, about Mika kind of getting back into his rhythm. And it's crazy to think at one point this season, he had a stretch of no goals and one assist in a 12-game span. And then he had six points in a period, Tom. (laughs) Like... How the hell do we explain that? You know, unlike the NBC broadcast, we heard, you know, he lost like 10 or 15 pounds because of COVID. And, you know, I think you and I are both of the opinion that it probably really messed him up and it's taken some adjustment. But ever since he got that goal, I think it was against the Capitals, that the goal with, it might have been the monkey off the back goal on February 20th, it just seems like he's picking up points. Um, since that since that goal, he hasn't gone uh, three games without picking up a point after all of his struggles this year, so it's just such a relief to see, because not only because of what the expectations are for Mika Zibanejad, but because of how important he is, because you want him to be a part of this, this team moving forward, even though there's the question of his contract, but like it You also, Zibanejad is just an entirely likable hockey player and person. So there's just nothing but good feelings about him having the kind of game he did.
0: Oh yeah, 100%. And if anything, it now is something going into this Capitals game that the team is going to, and the team here meaning the Capitals, that they're going to need to think twice about some things because... Um, you're going to look at a team that just played really well and like, is this offensive outburst going to happen again? I don't think so. Um, would it surprise me, you know, if, if they have, you know, more confidence and, you know, some good luck? No, but like now at this point of the season, um, you know, 28 games in and like, you look at the like the leaders uh, on this team. So, like, Buchnevich, 26 points in 27 games. Panarin, 24 points in 17 games. Strom, 22 and 28. Kreider, 20 and 28. Zabanajad dragging himself up, 17 and 28. And then Fox, 16 and 27. Um, and then from there, to drop off to, to Colin Blackwell at 10 points in, in 19 games. Um, the top players are producing. And, yeah... You want to see Kapokako having more than four points in 21 games. But as we all know, the underlying numbers, night and day from last year, um, he's making plays happen. He is having a little bit of a tally Krasov syndom- syndrome um, where he's doing these amazing things one-on-one. He's getting the puck to an opponent, and they just can't finish it. So I'm not too concerned there. Like we talked about this last time, same thing with um like Lafreniere, where, yeah, eight points in 28 games, but who really gives a shit? Like, he's a 19-year-old kid who started off slow because he went, like, six months without playing a competitive game, and he said as much. Like, I'm not losing sleep over that. Um, there's a lot to like here. There's a lot to like teams playing with confidence. Yeah, are they going to make the playoffs? Probably not by virtue of uh-huh. how, how far they're back. <laughs> Right. But you have a team that's playing for something. You have a team that is yeah. is trying to put the puzzle pieces together to say like okay, when we're going to be contending for a Stanley Cup, like we have, you know, some good things going for us. Um and all of this is to say that they're going to potentially get Shesterkin back not for um tomorrow's game versus the Capitals, but potentially Saturday. Um Vitaly Craftsoft's going to be available soon. That's going to throw a monkey wrench into things just because of how you're going to figure um, ice time um, for all of these players. And you're going to have a lot of talented players and not enough roster spots for them. Um, but, like, I, I think that given the weirdness of this year, there's a lot of things you like. There's a lot of things that you've learned um, yeah, I get it. it can be frustrating that there was this idea of what some of the rookies were going to be, or some of the young players were going to be, but um, you know, it, it's weird at times, and I don't know, I, I just think you have a 9 nothing win, it's just a big morale boost for the fans, and it's like yeah, it's against the Flyers, yeah, it's against Elaine Vigneault, um, but you just take these moments and you enjoy them, and you you look back on them, like I know, like, when we, if you want to think as far back as the year they went to the cup final and the year they won the President's Trophy, it felt like every game was just awesome and they rarely lo- lost. Um, so, in a year like this, where it's up and down, up and down, you know, sort of helter skelter, you just take this win. Yeah, it's one game. Yeah, it's unlikely to happen again, but you enjoy it.
1: Yeah, I think you have to enjoy it, and you know, putting everything in context, that win made the Rangers 12, 12 and four, which makes them a you know five hundred hockey team, and they're third from last in the Mass Mutual East uh, Division, Tom. Um, but there's the context here is important. Like, what were the expectations this year? You know what what is this what is this team had to go through with you know the prolonged absence of Panarin, you know Chesterkin injury. Uh, you know, haven't necessarily had the best of luck with, with COVID in terms of you know guys being in and out of the lineup, and you know you also have Zibanejad start and everything else. Like you can group that into the best not having great luck with COVID with the results for Mika prior to, to this last game, and I don't know. This there's a lot of learning going on, I think, and like kind of lost in the shuffle of everything with the 9 nothing victory, is Laugh getting a point, which is his first point in a bunch of games after he had a, you know, a stretch there where he had picked up, you know, he had like five points in five games, kind of a stretch, and a lot of people were like, hey, something's clicking here, and then, you know, he goes three or four games, I think, without scoring, and then he gets an assist here to kind of get back in the board, and I don't know, Capocaco hits a, a post in, in that game, too, and... Little things where you're like, all right, it's coming together. Um, you know, and a lot of things that I think are peripherally interesting, like, oh, yeah, Tamarayanainen gets called up. And he has primary assists in his NHL debut. Um, and then, you know, Brett Howden is a healthy scratch. And you start to get this sense of like, all right, maybe things are... Maybe, Tom, maybe things are getting better. Um, or at least going in a direction that's a little more... In what you think is getting this team closer to building, um, because you want to see these little things click when, like, you have to look for these little promising signs when you're a 500 or sub-500 hockey team. And I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but I don't know, Tom, Andersley, he's out long-term, you never know. Anyway, we have to do an ad break, so this is my sloppy transition to an ad break.
0: Just like that, yeah. Yeah. I'm bad at ad breaks.
1: Tom is better at them.
0: I mean, I don't think we really need to keep score on this podcast. It's just us. I'm. I think in some ways it's five to two. Well, three goal lead is the worst in hockey. So, you never know. Um, so wanted to talk about a couple other things. Um, one. It'll be cool to have Vitaly off soon. Like, I know that we just mentioned, um, you know, it briefly in there, but um, KHL team was eliminated. He's come over to the United States quarantining, and he should be ready soon, and that's going to be so fun.
1: It is going to be fun. I wanted to add one quick thing, which is we've had three games of uh, Panarin back, and uh, in three games, he has six points. And I mentioned this in in the banter slack during the game last night. I was like, "What was life like before Artemi Panarin uh, for the Rangers?" I don't I don't really know, but it's a it's a fun little thing to mention because also it, in, in an interesting way, it segues to Kravstov, who had a really strong year in the KHL. His team was eliminated, and like you mentioned, we're now on Kravstov watch. He's doing the the quarantine thing, and a lot of people think he's essentially he's the Rangers like addition in terms of any trades this team might make is you have Kraftstoff coming in and it was interesting hearing the NBC broadcast talk about how the Rangers aren't really expected to do very much at the deadline and that's generally what we feel even though there's the ongoing mystery of what the Rangers will do with with DeAngelo and you know there's just there's been no developments there um, for weeks and weeks now so looking at the roster now and you know, you wrote a great story recently about strom and his potential future with the team and how he's done himself and really the Rangers a, a good service by continuing to keep his trade value nice and high by producing with App Aaron, producing with Kreider which was big to see and you know when Strom when Strome became a Ranger when I was looking at his underlying numbers I was like you know what He's a good playmaker. He makes good passes. There's just other parts of his game that aren't very strong. And what's we've seen as Strom since he's been a Ranger is you put him with the right guys, he'll make plays. It's just a question of how much of his value is buoyed or inflated by the players around him. And I think seeing him still produce when Panarin was out of the lineup was a really big deal um, and a promising thing in terms of what his perceived value will be, and also what his true value to the Rangers is. But uh, it's been definitely been an interesting time to look at what this roster will look like. And just like you, I just want to see Vitali Kravstov get a chance in the NHL. And am I aware that the Rangers have this logjam of forwards? Yeah, but I don't think we need to see Phil DiGiuseppe or or Brett Howden or or you know Brendan Lemieux in the lineup every night. I would like to see. Some kids who have a chance to be a part of this team long-term. I prefer seeing them in there.
0: Yeah, and I would say the one um, unfortunate downside of, of Kravtsov is that it it becomes one uh, one more piece of competition for Gautier to overcome. And, yeah, um, that's a good point. It, it's just like, it's an embarrassment of riches on the wings, and... Um, it's it's fun to to once we see the the team as it can be um, like I I think of this also in in the context of you know it's it's going to be incredible when you have Adam Fox Nils Lundquist, Jacob Truba as a right side um, that'll be pretty impressive but um, yeah and I think the deadline thing was somewhat interesting because I think that. Brendan smith is someone who could go um there's a number of options that they could consider like if they're looking to do some business ahead of expansion because you only have so many people you can protect and maybe there's business to be made of a team that can't protect someone and the rangers will take them and i don't know it's it's going to be weird because of the quarantine and obviously um you know going between the border but who knows yeah i feel like
1: there will be rangers trades at the deadline um i think uh I forget if it was if it was uncle bob or someone else mentioning like the rangers would look at something like a hockey trade they're not looking at like a like you know just moving pieces around essentially do address one need for another but a lot of trades on terms of like the periphery of the roster are, like a guy like brandon smith or something like that and there's the point you bring up with expansion is important because a lot of teams need to do a lot of positioning and they need to make sure they don't get absolutely screwed uh, in terms of what happens with the expansion draft. And the Rangers are in an interesting position because they have so many ELCs on the team. So they're a team that has to kind of keep a f- couple things in mind and they also have to think of things like, you know, games played and all that stuff. But I I look at this roster and I say to myself, like, what value does, you know, do some of these guys have that are just you know obviously not going to be here long term and are on expiring contracts or what have you and i just don't expect us to see a big deal um, unless you know there's the the potential the rangers have a lot of the younger guys and assets to land a big deal to bring in another franchise caliber player but I don't think we've seen enough smoke for that to come to fruition. And that includes Eichel at this stage. Um, and now Eichel's hurt. So there's also that.
0: Eichel's hurt. Kruger's gone. Dan Girardi is an assistant coach. We almost yeah, forgot Dan Girardi
1: that. And Chris Drury were both assistant coaches within a couple of days of each other. I was even thinking all these, like the past few seasons, all we've been thinking is Chris Drury going to go to another team to be a GM. And who would have, like, how much money would you have won, you would have won in Vegas if Jury is an assistant coach for the Rangers before he's a GM of another team? But that's that's what this year has given us, Tom, is just utter bananas and shenanigans.
0: Yeah, it has been. And, um... Banana games. Yeah, who, who would have thought it? Um, the last note I wanted to mention... Um, When the Rangers, you know, obviously they were on a bit of a a road trip. They came back to Madison Square Garden. They had uh, two, you know, memoriams and moments of silence or moments of remembrance, rather. Um, One for, you know, Walter Gretzky, obviously the father of of Wayne Gretzky, um, who, you know, was with the Rangers, you know, for three seasons. And then Mark Pavlich. Um, Mark Pavlich was a member of the Miracle on Ice team uh he was a member of the rangers uh for a couple of seasons and he had a, a couple he had a really couple of good seasons like so he debuts with the rangers in 81 82 76 points follows it up with 75 points then 82 points then 45 points in 48 games um you know eventually makes his way to the north stars and he ends his career um, you know, after some time away from the NHL with the San Jose Sharks, um, a sad story for Pavlich, um, the later parts of his, his life, he was in the news, you know, for various reasons, um, and it's been, you know, suggested that he was someone who suffered from, from CTE as he had noticeable behavioral changes, you know, in the end, ending years of his life, and, um, it, it's just a really sad story, because, and it was notable because when, you know, it was announced that he had passed away, um, there was a story in the New York Post, how Barry Beck, um, you know, he wrote this, you know, this this thing on Facebook, how he was sort of, you know, criticizing, um, you know the Rangers in some respects of having forgotten about him and I think it's of note because the Rangers have had this somewhat weird relationship at times with alumni um like I think one example is like how long did it take them to retire Jean Rattel's number um you know they there was like a strange relationship there that they they ultimately repaired um but but yeah I, I Saw it, talked about a couple of places, you know. Mark Pavelka had passed, but you know, just a uh, you know underrated player. Um, you know, almost a point per game in his career, 355 games. Obviously, part of the miracle on ice, um, but it's uh, a really sad story and just something that it's it's another example of of what can happen when you play this game. And um, you know, it's be in your 60s and pass away. Like it's it's still way too young.
1: Yeah, it is. Mark's story is really sad. You think of a guy who, you know, the role he played in specifically, you know, U.S. hockey history. um, And also, you know, in many ways, American history because of the significance of the Miracle on Ice uh, victory. And looking at, you know, the Cohen headline and his time with the Rangers, he was very beloved when he was here. And, you know, I think there is something to be said about how not just organizations like the Rangers, but also the league in general treats players after they hang up their skates uh you know from what we understand i don't want to speak out of turn here but it's pretty clear from the comments made by the Pavlich family that he was going through a lot of mental health issues uh to the point where you know during a fishing trip with his neighbor uh you know he beat his neighbor nearly to death with a lead pipe because he thought his neighbor had spiked his beer um but mark was under the impression that he you know didn't have mental health issues uh, but he was found you know to be not fully guilty of you know violent assault charges because of his mental state and then you have him die in a you know a mental health facility at a very young age and you think about a guy like him who was undersized and getting banged around in a, in a period where not everyone wore a helmet all the time and you know it obviously a period of the game that was pretty rough and tumble and you realize that even with everything going on with COVID and, you know, oh, there's a new, you know, the ESPN deal and all these things and, you know, the, the crazy season that is and hockey, yada, 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 flat cap, bop, 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 all these things, we still, the NHL still doesn't have enough to show for, addressing concussions and CTE. And I think we can never forget to afford that. You know, we, we also need to, you know, when we think about how we want to see these organizations in the league be held accountable for things like diversity and or a lack thereof and making a strong stand against things like homophobia and racism and sexism and all these things. There's a long, long history of players being underserved and the league and owners not demonstrating nearly enough care for players and their well-being playing what is ultimately an incredibly violent game that is filled with peril and danger to players. And it's scary when we, we hear these stories like these stories we have with Mark Pavlik and um, I hope we see them less and less but um, we can't afford to stop talking about them and obviously we wish nothing, you know, send nothing but our best to his family in a very difficult time and you know the Rangers Alumni Association. I you know I hope we see less posts like the post that Barry Beck, you know, former captain of this team. I know he and JD reportedly had you know had a private conversation, uh, according to the post. And you know I hope that more bridges get mended with JD um, at the helm because I have confidence that John Davidson's the sort of person who would make that effort uh, from from you know the persona he he has and the reputation he has so i hope that's what we see happen because it's very sad when we see those stories and obviously it stings a little extra when it's the rangers and it's an organization all of our lifetime we've been told first class first class first class that's what the rangers are they do things right they handle things the right way bop 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 and then we have something like this and you say well maybe something like this wasn't handled very first class maybe the Rangers and the NHL should have been doing a lot more for Mark Pavlich.
0: Agreed a hundred percent. Um, it's a very sad situation. And obviously, um, you know, hopefully things can get better long-term in terms of how teams in, in the league address this, but, um, it's, it's certainly something worth worth mentioning. Um, one brief thing i wanted to also touch upon um not not long because we've talked about this before um and then we'll get to our patrons um i thought it was telling and not all surprising um pretty much the lack of support that gord miller got and it was, for those who aren't aware, like, he was, he does this from time to time. Like, one of the things, and for those who aren't familiar, Gordon Miller is a broadcaster, um, play-by-play guy for TSN. He's also done some work for NBC. He's most known for his stuff um, at World Juniors, and... Um, From time to time when he's traveling or he's killing time he'll do like Q&A's and it was a really innocuous thing like you know someone asked him a question like hey you know um, when are you ever gonna go on on spit and chicklets and like his response was pretty tame like at first like hey you know I I just don't want to have you know anything to do with, with, with Barstool Sports. Like, you know, he's got nothing wrong with, you know, Ryan Whitney or, you know, Paul Bessonet, etc. But but that's just a no-go for him. And, like, from there, it, it just took a turn in expected fashion. Like, you know, he was very thorough in why he felt the way that he did, provided examples of, you know, certain behaviors, and we, we've gone through it numerous times we we went in this in depth when we were talking about the whole um you know NWHL situation and you know people that both you and i know are friendly with that were oh yeah it's real fun shit and you know for for
1: the record i endured a little bit of harassment as a result of that for sticking up for my colleagues and peers and uh it's funny, I mentioned recently, like, hey, if you have any questions about stats for the women's hockey community, like, my DMs are open. And someone pointed out to me, Mike, your DMs aren't open. And I realized, oh yeah, I had to close them because I had gotten half a dozen very mean DMs <laughs> because, uh, you know, being called a snowflake and all those wonderful things. But yeah, it, it, Gord's comments were very welcome. We need to see more of it. I think, like, I listen, I get it. I understand that Barstool is popular. I also think you're at you're really I'm trying to find a nice way to say this I think you need to address if you're a fan of them you need to address and come to terms with why people view them as problematic are this many people wrong are this many people wrong to feel uncomfortable with Barstool's messaging and you know the way they approach things and sexism and all these other things I don't know um, I know that I need a job in this industry really bad, Tom. I wouldn't work for Barstool. Uh, that's just, that's just me. That just, you know, I know I'm not alone. I'm sure, I know, like, like me, you, you would be dying to have a full time job doing what we do. And I'm sure you also wouldn't want to work for Barstool because, uh, it just doesn't align with what I think is the right way to do things and the right way to treat people. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a big shitty mess and it Barstool I is I don't think it's going anywhere, but I was very I was relieved to see Gord make the the stance that he did and I was relieved that so many people said thank you to him. Um, because I think we need to be when someone with the platform that Gord has makes a a stand like that and he did it and like you said he did it in a really kind of polite way he did it in a, in a non-dramatic way just like yeah, i have nothing against those guys but anything with Barstool how did you phrase it Tom is like a no-go for me is that what he said
0: right and like uh, yeah. what I what I think was good about what he did and I think it's important at times because obviously people will like when we've talked about this obviously there's a lot of examples that you can cite but I like. I want to believe at times that there are people who will be associated with something, and they may not know the fuller story. So, by him giving examples and and you know citing sources and obviously what happened, you know, and subsequently more so when his you know his daughter um, said her 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 thing and she was sort of defending his you know his um, you know his morals and why he did what he did and you just go through her replies and it's just like okay yeah this is exactly everything you know why they said what they said um you have an opportunity to say hey this is why i feel this way about something and you may genuinely come across a person or two who says wow i really did not know that and now that i know this i'm not going to you know associate with them and like I think that the important thing here is that it's not just one incident or two or three. There's multiple incidents, and it's been well documented. And you know, people try to spin it, people try to deny it, people try to deflect, um, and it is only emboldened when you have you know people who will you know frequent their you know their programming. And um, I thought it was very interesting that. like I'm not going to like you know name everyone but there are colleagues of Gord's who have been on their programs and like they're not defending him or his daughter and I think that's wrong now I think people have a right to change I think people have a right to um, change their opinions or actions when new information is presented to them but at the end of the day like ultimately with like any anything that comes up it's just a lot of people telling on themselves and sometimes you don't need to to do anything or say anything people will just on their own volition prove your point for you um and like i said i don't want to belabor the point we've talked about this before i thought it was relevant to bring up you know i didn't want to spring this on Mike at all um but like it's just something that bothered me and like i tried to give people time to do so um But when it was very few and people, it was just disheartening. So, yeah, um, kudos to Gord Miller um, for speaking his piece, doing it in a way that was pretty much taking, um, you know, what a potential argument would be and breaking it down one by one and saying, well, this is what you might say. Well, here's this. Um, So, yeah, kudos to Gord Miller. Um, And kudos to... um, all of our patron supporters uh we appreciate your continued support of the podcast even though um you know it's been a weird year there's been you know some times where we've not been able to uh, do a show we really appreciate your support we understand that in the time of covid stuff happens and you know life has been altered and we 100% get that um but you know, thank you to our supporters, a six foot gap, Adam Clendenning, Adam Nahoick, Ain Gaspar, Amriel Kistner, Andre Chikagov, Andy White, John Osterheim, Captain America, Chris Marco Trigiano, Clark Carroll, Daniel DeZen, Frank Benino, Jamie Bussell, Jason Silverman, Jeff Owen, Jermaine Francis, Jod Predzipelski, John, John Repi, Jordan Sassone, Justin Walsh, Keith Kevin Meade, Kush Tastic, Kyle Napolitano, Matt Bader, Matthias Olsen Michael Marcus, Michael Silvers, Nikolai Hoffman, Panera in twenty twenty, Patrick Landle, Pear Juice, uh, Perennial Powerhouse, Sean, Stieg Bellback, Tall Guy Rob, the Tin Man Tour from Manhattan, and Trevor Kempner. Um, thank you, as always, everyone, for listening. Um, we appreciate your support. Uh, Mike, as always, I appreciate you. Um, you know, I hope appreciate um, everyone. You too, Tommy. Thank you. Um, i hope everyone continues to stay safe um you know although this is uh you know it's a hockey podcast obviously it's uh you know we touch on, on other topics as well and um you know I, I just wanted to um you know offer my thoughts and support um you know the asian american and pacific islander community obviously this week there was a a, a tragic yet another and that's just a, a circumstance of, of being in america mass shooting um in atlanta um you know support to them you know there's a lot of different places you can donate money to uh support the community um you know i've shared a few on twitter um and uh you know it's just important you know that we are looking out for each other uh, those who are prejudiced against those who are um targeted and uh, unfortunately we live in a time where we see this a lot um but you know uh, just offer my my thoughts to them and obviously uh, anyone you know um, you know who's who's impacted by this
1: be good to each other, don't be a piece of shit, and we want ten. We want ten Tom. I want ten goals
0: that is actually i I wanted to fit that in there um at uh at some point, but that's probably gonna be the name of this episode. uh we want ten
1: I do want ten i after the second period, I said to myself. Uh, double digits or this was a loss but then I said to myself you know what 9-0 nothing's pretty good Georgie needed a good game <laughs> we'll take it we'll take 9 and nothing most days
0: and on that note uh, thanks for listening and uh, we will talk to you again soon be well bye bye